Stories of smallpox, anthrax, bird flu, and people boarding airplanes with drug-resistant tuberculosis are putting pressure on government health officials to better prepare for unknown public health threats. So why is the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention getting fewer tax dollars? Welcome to Inside Healthcare on ReachMD, XM, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, the healthcare reporter for the Chicago Tribune, and with me today is Mary Woolley. She's the president and CEO of Research America, one of the nation's most prominent advocates for medical research. Under Woolley's leadership, Research America's membership has more than quadrupled, earning a cross-section of support among physicians, researchers, government and industry alike. Ms. Woolley is an elected member of the Institute of Medicine and a fellow of the American Association for the Advancement of Science. Ms. Woolley, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you, Bruce. It's nice to be with you. So tell us, how is it possible that the Centers for Disease and Control and Prevention, which every time there is a health threat in this country, whether it be after 9-11 and anthrax and smallpox and the gentleman who was boarding the plane with dangerous tuberculosis and CNN goes live from outside the CDC in Atlanta and they're supposed to be uh, working to protect us. And you're going to tell us today about how the CDC is actually not getting federal tax support the way it used to be. It certainly isn't, Bruce, and it's really somewhat of a conundrum because here's the CDC charged with all the things you mentioned. They're charged with coping with the extraordinary events of our lives, you know, the threat of bioterrorism, which is quite real during the anthrax episodes, emerging infectious diseases, everything you described, plus they're also charged with all the ordinary, everyday things that we take for granted in public health, you know, making sure that our county and state public health officials are well-trained and well-armed, if you will, with both the information and the number of staff they need to carry out basic public health support for their communities day in, day out. And chronic disease comes into their uh, purview as well. How do we effectively prevent people from, number one, becoming obese and then help them lose weight, quit smoking, take action to keep themselves healthy CDC is responsible for all those things and a lot more, and their budgets are going down. Their budget is going down, down, down. It's dropped by 12 to 14 percent in purchasing power since 2001. How is this possible? I mean, is there a reason for it, or is it... Well, the reasons are several. I mean, first we have to put this all in the context of a federal budget that is under duress for a lot of reasons, not least, of course, the conflict in Iraq. But also, there's an expectation that more can be done with fewer dollars. And for a relatively small agency, the CDC has a budget that almost reaches $9 billion, and that includes some mandatory programs that are fall into the extraordinary category rather than their ordinary work. There's an expectation that they can do a lot more for uh, the same, virtually the same amount of money they had many years ago. And there aren't a lot of champions for the CDC within the Congress or even in the administration, I'm sorry to say. 
who have been some of the champions for the CDC in the past? And if you could also give us an idea of some of the, you know, extraordinary things that the CDC has done, you know, and give our listeners an idea of what it is they do. I mean, we know the National Institutes of Health does a lot of research, but how does that differ from the CDC? Because there might be some people that would be out there saying, you know what, maybe we don't need all this government. (laughs) Well, there definitely are those people, libertarians among them, who just believe that, you know, less government and less government spending is, is the answer to almost everything that plagues us. But this is not a majority view. The CDC and the public health system is hard at work preventing epidemics and controlling the spread of disease. The CDC was in the forefront in shutting down what could have been a really disastrous SARS epidemic not too many years ago. They were also right there in response to Katrina, helping people with the very real health problems they faced when Katrina became the cause celeb that it certainly was. Can you give people an idea of how specifically what they what did the CDC do during Katrina or even SARS for that example? Because believe it or not, people don't know. They know the Red Cross. They know... FEMA or what FEMA didn't do, but they don't know the CDC. They wouldn't even really think of the CDC. They would probably think of the CDC as maybe this organization that tracks statistics. Right. Well, they do that, too. They're the only ones who track our health statistics so important to helping us monitor mortality and morbidity and understanding the spread of epidemics and helping contain those. But to go back to your question, the CDC's expertise and involvement is across a broad range. The way they weighed in on SARS had a leadership role, really, in an international effort to understand what was happening with that epidemic, which began, as I recall, in Asia, but quickly was spreading to Canada and elsewhere. But they were there with their epidemiology service expertise and their state-of-the-art laboratory efforts, and it paid off. That's one kind of thing that the CDC does, but they by no means are limited to that. They're also involved as in disasters, along with the Red Cross, I might add, to assure that people are getting the health care they need as quickly as possible. They respond to disasters and help communities in recovery pretty much in an unsung way. And they do the initial diagnostic work, do they not? That's right. That's right. And I think they're also on the ground in Asia with the bird flu as well. That's right. And they're largely unsung in those situations. When we hear about bird flu or we hear bird flu actually on the rise or mad cow disease or West Nile fever, all these things, you know, then there's a connection in quickly in the, in the media and in the public's mind with the CDC. What are they going to do about it? What's the CDC's advice for vaccinations, for travel to foreign countries? They're known for that kind of work, but they're not so much known for or celebrated as they should be for what they do day in, day out to help conquer things like the smoking epidemic that now is under control. I would say that tobacco smoking is at a diminishing level, still not eradicated, of course. But CDC played a major role in helping this nation adopt the kinds of public health policies and preventions and interventions that we needed to take to assure 
the health of the population by reducing smoking. Well, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Inside Healthcare. I'm Bruce Japson of the Chicago Tribune on ReachMD XM, the channel for medical professionals. And I'm speaking with Mary Woolley. She's the president and CEO of Research America. And for those of you who don't know, Research America is a leading advocate. She comes to us from Washington. They are an advocate for medical research in this country. And they represent a cross-section of uh, dr drug companies, academic medical centers, physician groups. And it's a critical time in Washington because the, the budget is tight. And we're talking specifically about the Centers for Disease Control, which has about a budget of about $9 billion, as Mary has told us. But yet their funding is decreasing. And that may be surprising to people. And so I want to ask Mary, what kind of research does the CDC do that perhaps the National Institutes of Health does not do? Is there overlap? Actually, the CDC and the NIH work very smoothly and well together. Their leadership is in regular communication so that there isn't any duplication and that the only kinds of overlap, if you will, is when it's appropriate. Sometimes there's a need for replication in research, as we all know, and that is sometimes quite appropriate to have take place in different laboratories. But the CDC works with a lot of very dangerous pathogens and explores the both the epidemiology and the biology of exotic, if you will, diseases and working toward the day that we will have the eradication, ultimately, of many more diseases, just as we achieved with smallpox. It's surprising. You've pointed out so well, Bruce, that many people don't know what the CDC's role is, and they don't know how to have an impact if they want to assure that the CDC has the opportunity to do its work and do it well and have the resources they need. People don't know how they can even find out what their own elected officials stance is on key issues like the CDC funding. There is a way to find out. There's a website called yourcongressyourhealth.org that lets individuals know in a completely nonpartisan and open way, lets people know what their elected officials have to say on key issues. And it may be surprising to know that fewer than 5% of the members of Congress have any science training at all. And even some of those that have the training are not necessarily advocates for prevention and for research. It's important for healthcare professionals, physicians, and, and all others to weigh in. They will be listened to by elected officials because they're so respected, not just by individuals, but by elected officials who represent the public. Where are our presidential candidates on some of these issues? The presidential candidates have not said very much about research and actually have been not as vocal about addressing health issues as one might think, given the sort of drumbeat of attention that the public feels around this issue. You've touched on a very important point, Bruce, which is another opportunity for your listeners to weigh in, to let presidential candidates know that it's time to be talking in much more concrete ways about health care and about the future of health care which absolutely involves research. It's got to be evidence-based. We can get some of the cost out if we can get more evidence in. But we also have to take care with appropriate funding 
of the treasures that we have, the institutions like the CDC, who are making a difference in as best they can, but with sadly limited funding. We talked about the CDC budget being almost $9 billion, but quite a lot of that, almost half now, is made up of bioterrorism funding and mandatory spending on vaccines for children. Now, both of those are good things. They're worthy things, but they've compromised the CDC's ability to do all the other activities that they have long been charged with. It's time to turn that around. Well, I want to thank Mary Woolley, who's been our guest. She's the president and CEO of Research America, a Washington-based advocacy organization for medical research, and we have been talking about the Centers for Disease Control. I'm Bruce Japson, and you've been listening to Inside Healthcare on ReachMD XM, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com, and I thank you for listening.